every week we hit pause right there. Because how must God feel about us? I mean, He's made things so clear. He's communicated with us. He's done so much. And we seem to still not get it. Don't you think at times He just wants to... uh... I think He might. You know, we have some some history to look at in the Old Testament where we see that God sometimes did get to the point where it was just time to slap them. (laughs) And we find that with the children of Israel. Now, this is God's chosen people. And we talked uh, for the previous three weeks about how God finally said, listen, guys, because of your choices that you're making, because of what you've been doing, Israel, ah, you're not going to like what's coming. And we end this series by looking, we, I have selected a passage out of the, the second to the last chapter, and this is in chapter 8, and let me just kind of catch you up again, because God just reminds them, He says, here's what's going on. This is the straw that has broken the camel's back, basically, God says. Amos chapter 8, and this is starting with verse 4. God says, listen to this. You who rob the poor, he says, and who trample down the needy. You, he, and he describes him. He says, you can't wait for the Sabbath day to be over, for the religious festivals to end, so that you can get back to cheating the helpless. In other words, God is saying, listen, Israel, you have become just a bunch of box checkers. So you take your list. Thank you, Lynn, for printing me my list. You take your list with all of your check boxes on it, and you just say, okay, yeah, check, I went to church. Uh, Check, I did that sacrifice. Check, I celebrated that festival. Check, I did not work on this day that you said don't work, but I can't wait till it's over. Once I check that box, then I'm going to go back to doing what I was doing. He said, you have become a bunch of box checkers. Box checkers. He says, you know what that really is? If you're just checking boxes spiritually, religiously, And saying, yeah, I did that, I did that. So if I do all of this, then that means God owes me. That means God will do something good for me. If I do all of this, that means something bad won't happen to me. And do you know what that means? If they had become box checkers, that's just, that's not worship. That's just superstition. And that's what Israel had become. Just superstitious is all. And he goes on. He said, you measure grain with dishonest measures and you cheat the buyer with dishonest scales. Now really, God is saying, can you really call that worship? If that's what you're doing, can you call that worship where you walk in, you check off your boxes? Yeah, I did that, I did that, I checked those off. You check off your boxes, you walk in, you check off your boxes, and you walk out and just resume life as normal, as usual, right back into everything you were doing. All you're doing, God is saying, is you're hitting the pause button on your sinning. You're doing some religious things, and then you hit resume as soon as you walk out. God said, Israel, that's that's not going to work any longer. He goes on in verse 6. He said, and you mix the grain you sell 
with chaff, that, that stuff that comes off of it. He says, and that's all on the floor. You just sweep it up, mix a little bit in with your grain, and you sell it. In other words, you're saying anything that you can do to make a buck, it doesn't matter what the people don't know. If you cheat a little bit here, cheat a little bit there, doesn't matter. Anything, it's not going to hurt them. What they don't know, it's not going to hurt them. God goes on. Then you enslave poor people for the price of silver, or he said, even a pair of sandals. So you know what was happening? So somebody walks up to somebody and says, hey, listen, I really need to buy some flip-flops, but I'm a little short on cash right now. And they're like, okay, I'll sell you some flip-flops, but here, just sign this for me, and I'll let you, uh, I'll let you be my slave, and you can Earn it, earn it. You can, you know, work it off maybe, let's see, they're flip-flops. Let's say two years. You become my slave for two years and I'll give you some flip-flops. That's what they were doing. God was highly, highly upset. See, God gave them chance after chance after chance in order for them to change directions in life, in order for them to return to God and begin following Him, He gave them chance after chance. But now, at this moment, their time is up. And God will not wait on them to change, to turn, to repent, to change directions. He will not wait on them any longer. Here's what He says in verse 7. Now, the Lord has sworn by this oath, by His own name, in other words, you can't swear by anything greater, God says, the pride of Israel. He says this, I will never forget the wicked things you have done. Now that sounds a little shocking to us. One reason that's shocking to us is because we have believed some bad theology. Whoever said that God forgives and forgets didn't really understand what Scripture teaches and what God has taught us. You see, when God forgives, He says, I, I will remember your sins no more. Now to us, that sounds like, oh, He's going to forget them. Do you really think God forgets sin? Do you really think that... You say, God, I, I am so sorry that I went out and I blew it again this weekend. And he's like, what? What do you mean? I, I don't remember. Do you think he forgot? When God says, I will remember your sins no more, he's saying, I will not hold those sins against you any longer. God remembers what we have done. He doesn't hold it against us any longer. It means, okay, that's forgiven. I won't hold that sin against your account any longer. But you know what God is saying here? God in this verse is actually saying, mm -mm. not only am I going to remember these sins, these sins, God is saying, the ones I'm talking about right here, God is saying, those are not even forgiven because there has been no repentance there has been no 
change, no turnaround. That's a big deal. And so now God tells them, because of all that they've been doing, all the decisions they've been making, God tells them there are three things that are going to happen. He starts it in verse 8. The first is an earthquake. He says, the earth will tremble for your deeds, and everyone will mourn. The ground will rise like the Nile River at flood time, and it will heave up and then sink again. He's describing an earthquake. And next, he said, there's going to be a period of time uh, of darkness. A period of time of darkness. And the people, he said, are going to begin mourning as if they lost a child. Here's how he words that in verse 9. In that day, says the sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth while it is still day. Verse 10. I will turn your celebrations into times of mourning and your singing into weeping. You will, heal, uh, you will wear funeral clothes and shave your heads to show your sorrow as if your only son had died. How bitter that day will be, he says. That's the second thing he said is going to happen. And now is coming a third thing. And this is where we're going to land for today. This third thing that God said is coming. But before we get there, let me remind you that what I am reading in this book of Amos, this Old Testament book of prophecy, what I'm reading, um, here's the good news. That does not apply to you. You see, the book of Amos was not written as a book of prophecy for you. It doesn't apply to you. He wrote that, he said that directly to a very specific people group, the northern kingdom of Israel, at a very specific time. So this does not apply to you. That's the good news. That's pretty, pretty good news. But now the bad news. What I'm getting ready to read to you out of the book of Amos, the principle behind this prophecy is echoed in the New Testament which is written for us. So the good news is Amos was not written for you. The bad news is the principles in Amos still apply to us, and we're going to see it in the New Testament in just a moment. Here we go. Here's what God said in verse 11. He says, The time is surely coming, says the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine on the land. Now, he's not going to be talking about any normal kind of famine where there's a shortage of crops, where the crop dies, or the weather is bad, or there's no water. No, no, no. What he's getting ready to describe is much more devastating than that. He goes on, not a famine of bread or water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Now, some of the people were probably like, whew, that was close. I thought we weren't going to have any food. But what is getting ready to happen is far more devastating than not having food. God is getting ready to remove his word from all of those people. God is getting ready to stop speaking to them. God is getting ready to stop leading them. God is getting ready to stop communicating with them to stop 
helping them in any way, to stop protecting them in any way. He is getting ready to stop walking with them. This is devastating. In other words, if they're going to just live the way they choose to live, time after time, generation after generation, knowing that they need to turn back to God, but not willing to do it. If they're going to continue to live and just check off the boxes of their religious duties and their spiritual obligations, and that that's all they're going to do, and then just turn around and start living life as usual. If they're going to continue just tipping their hat toward God and saying, good to see you, God. Please make sure you know I was here. Tipping hats to God, checking boxes, refusing all the time to turn and to follow Him. God is going to finally, now, remove His Word from them. He's going to walk away from them. Verse 12. He said the result will be, when God's Word is not there, the people will stagger from sea to sea and wander from border to border to border, searching for the Word of the Lord. And he said, but they won't find it. So now, that's significant. Because now at this moment, they want to find it, but they can't. And they won't. Does that sound significant to you as much as it sounds to me? That there comes a moment in your life where you do decide, okay, now I'm ready to go find it, and you can't? And you won't ever find it? Oh, that sounds devastating. Now they want it. Now they are hungry for it. But God says, you will not find it. Now, here's our bottom line this morning. You'll hear me say it several times. Ignore God's Word. We could also insert the word plan. Ignore God's Word or ignore God's plan long enough and you will eventually never find it. Ignore God's Word long enough and eventually you will never find it. And now God says they're going to be searching all over the world, but they won't find it. In other words, they have squandered all of their opportunities. They have squandered all of their chances to follow God. They've wasted all of their chances. I don't know if this is inherent in all people, but I certainly know it's around today. We seem to believe that we can tell God, hey God, listen, I know, I know, I know I need to, but not now. I will follow you later, God. I know I need, I know I should, I know that's a need, and I am going to, but not now. I'll follow you later. Listen, God, I still have some things I want to do now. I still have some things I want to take care of. I have some things that I want. 
I will follow you later. Listen, not now, God. Maybe in a few years. Listen, God, I will change directions. I'll turn my life around and I will follow you then, later. Just not now. You see, we seem to believe that we are in charge. We seem to believe that we can choose how long we will reject God's plan for our lives. And that at some point in the future, we will then, at that point in the future, at another time, then we will say, okay, all right, God, now I'm ready. Not now, but then. We seem to think that we can choose that on our time frame. The problem is, we are not in charge. We think we are in charge, but we're not in charge. We can't just say, I will do it later. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 65. And he, this is, this is Jesus, and Jesus said, this is why I told you, no one can come to me. In other words, no one can come to Jesus. No one can choose to follow Jesus unless it is granted to him by the Father. In other words, unless God the Father is calling you, you can't come to Jesus. It's impossible. So the problem is, we can only come to God when He calls us. At that moment, He draws us. John says something else very important about this. In chapter 6, verse 44, again, this is Jesus speaking. He says, For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day I will raise them up. In other words, if God is not calling, you have nothing to answer. If God is not calling you, you have nothing to say yes to. You may change your mind later, but if He's not calling you later, you have nothing to say yes to. In other words, you can't follow God unless He is calling you. And in this moment, as we're looking at the life of Israel, guess what has happened? God said, I won't call you any longer. I'm done. You had your chance. You wasted it. You had your chance. You said, oh, later, 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 Gator. And God said that was it. And he's saying the same thing here in the New Testament. You see, here, here's what I believe the problem is. We believe that if he calls us once, then that means he will call us again and again and again and again and again. But the problem with that is we have no guarantee of that. He knows how long he will call us, but we don't know. Because his call is not a one call forever. 
He calls you. It's not a lifetime invitation. It's not an open-ended call. He doesn't say, hey, Harley, listen, 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 uh, if you will. I know you're busy. You got a second for me? I mean, I know I'm God, but you got a second, Harley? Okay. I'm going to call you. In fact, here's your invitation. You know, take it. It's yours. Here's your invitation. And if you look inside that invitation, it says, hey, surrender to me. Give your life to me. Follow me. I'm going to give you that invitation to follow me. And listen, listen, go ahead. Just go ahead and live your life how you're going to live it. Do what you're going to do. Yes, I hate that. I hate that you're rebelling. I, I, but go ahead and just do what you're going to do as long as you want to do it. And eventually, you just hang on to this invitation. And one day, you're going to need it. Open it up and accept that invitation. Now, here's the problem with that. We just don't find that in what we just read. The Father must be calling you in order for you to find your way to Jesus. If He's not calling, there is no finding Jesus. One of the biggest lies of the evil one is this. You can come to God when you're ready. Later. You don't have to do it today. You don't have to do it now. You can do it later. Later on. Why would that be such an effective lie? Because the evil one knows if the Father's not calling, you don't have anything to answer. And so if he can get you to do it later, 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 eventually that call stops. And here, as we have just read, it stopped for Israel. God stopped calling. And guess what? He can stop calling you. Just like I know he told my heart one day, that he was going to stop calling me. Which means this. If we ignore God's word or God's plan long enough, eventually you will never find it. You know something else? The evil one knows another thing that we don't know. The evil one knows that if we say no to God long enough and over and over and over again, no to God, if we say that, the evil one knows that our hearts become hard. Our ears, over the course of time of saying no to God, our ears, our spiritual ears begin to close. And we get to the point in our lives where we have waited too late. And we can no longer hear God calling us with spiritual ears or feel God calling us because our hearts have become hard. 
Now listen to Jesus again. Listen to Jesus. This time he is quoting the very message that Jesus, who is God, gave to the prophet Isaiah. So Jesus is quoting the prophet Isaiah, which is a quote from Jesus. So I know that sounds strange, but listen to it. From the Old Testament, prophet Isaiah. And Jesus is now quoting this in the book of Matthew, chapter 13, starting with verse 15. For the hearts of these people, he said, the hearts of these people are hardened. The hearts of these people are hardened. And look where he goes with this. And their ears cannot hear. He said, their hearts are hardened. Their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see. And their ears cannot hear. And their hearts cannot understand. And look at the result of that. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. They can't. Jesus is saying they waited too long. They can't hear me any longer. So here's the thing. Respond. Respond to God while you can hear Him. Respond to God while you can still with spiritual eyes see Him and spiritual ears hear Him and a spiritual heart feel Him. Respond to God or soon you won't be able to hear Him. At one point in your future, you won't be able to see Him. You won't be able to feel Him. And Jesus ends all of this by saying in verse 16, But blessed are your eyes, He says, the people He's talking to. But blessed are your eyes, because they see. And blessed are your ears, because you can hear. He says, you didn't put it off and put it off and put it off. When you heard the Father call, you responded, blessed are you. My friends, can you see God working around you? Can you see God working in any way around you? Then you are blessed. My friends, can you sense God speaking to you through His Word? Then you are blessed. My friends, do you feel God tugging your heart right now? Then you are blessed. You're blessed. But if we ignore that tug, if we ignore that call long enough, if we ignore His Word or His plan long enough, then you will eventually, you will never find it. Now let's end by going back to the book of Amos. 
verse 13, he says, beautiful girls and strong young men, they will grow faint in that day, thirsting for the Lord's word. You see, they're going to learn the hard way. They're going to learn that you don't live by bread alone. They're going to learn the hard way that you must have God's words of life in your life. Jesus even said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, no, 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 the Scriptures say, He said, people do not live by bread alone. They don't live just by what they eat and what they drink. No, 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 He says, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God, And we can't assume that we're going to hear God and that we're going to be able to listen, God. If we keep telling God no right now, we can't assume that we will hear Him in the future. You know what? After the last prophet to Israel, God stopped speaking. He did exactly what He said. He removed His Word. And there were 400 years of silence where God did not lead them and God did not protect them. God did not guide them. This northern kingdom, 400 years of silence. Now listen. If you say no to God, whatever that last time is that He will allow you to say no, do you have 400 years to wait to maybe hear Him again? Do you have 400 years? So for us today, What a tragedy. What a tragedy for us to possibly have plenty of religion, but no word from God. What a tragedy that would mean. That there were no light in the darkness, no nourishment for our souls, no direction for us to make a decision, no protection in our lives from the enemy, no call. From God. If we ignore His Word long enough, eventually we will never find it. So here's where we land. If you hear God today calling you, if you hear Him, feel Him calling you to Himself, if in your heart you hear God saying, follow me, turn and follow me, Stop following yourself and follow me. If that's what you hear God saying to your heart. If you hear Him saying, come back to me. Come back to me. Come back to me. Then here's the question. Do you choose to allow your heart to drop to its knees? And to say yes. Yes, Jesus, yes. Or do you simply roll the dice and say, you almost got me. You almost had me convinced, Jesus. But maybe next time, Jesus. And then you hope that there's a next time. Now listen, we are not a church of pressure. We only lovingly present the opportunity. We simply say that if you hear God calling you, we pray that you will choose to follow Him. And if you choose to follow him this morning, please let us know by marking that on the back side of your connection card. You'll see where to mark it. 
let us know. And this week, we're going to encourage you to do the very same thing we did last week for all of us. Don't live your lives in such a way that God would decide to stop speaking to you, to stop leading you. Because if we do ignore His plan, His word long enough, eventually we will never find it. So would you this week, same thing we said last week, begin reading in the New Testament, in the letters that were written. That comes after the uh, Gospels and after the book of Acts. Those letters. Don't start with the last one, Revelation. Start somewhere after the Gospels, after the book of Acts. And begin reading those letters. And here's what you need to do. Read until you find a point where God says, do this. Or have this attitude. Or don't do this. Avoid this. Read until you find a guideline. Stop there. And say, God, today, help me do this one thing as I follow you. As I listen to your word. Then stop there and follow it. And then what do you do the next day? Start right where you left off and read until you hear God tell you, do this, think this, stop this, do this, whatever, whatever guideline you can find. Stop there at that moment. Don't keep reading. Stop right there and do that that day. Day after day after day. Join me as we pray. God, may we not ignore your word so long that you give up on us. May we not ignore your plan so long that eventually you remove it so that we could never follow you if we wanted, so that we couldn't respond to you if we wanted. Jesus, you told us that we don't live only by the food that we put in our bodies, but our life really comes from your word, every word that comes from the mouth of God. May we, may we respond to you when you call and not put you off and roll the dice and hope that you'll call again. May we respond today. And God, may our hearts say to you, you, Father, are our all and all. All of us belongs to all of you. And you, Jesus, have become our all. We say these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior, our Messiah, we pray. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.